besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Reese Plumbing, designed to help your business grow and succeed. Reese works for you. It's the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show with Daniel McCarty, Grant Elliott and Justin Marshall on SCNZ. Crusaders trying to lift the level. Oh, busting through. Gets the ball away to Bauer. Bauer cut down just five metres short of the line. But here's the chance for the Crusaders before halftime. Mona floats it wide and Cullen Rose is in for a second. Two wonderful touches from Richie Moonga. I love watching the Crusaders when they're doing their counter-attack. They just string it together, together effortlessly. Seville Reese kicks the ball downtown. The Crusaders are into their 16th final in Super Rugby. Count them all, 16. Come on, wonder, there's, there's 10 fingers on my hand. Grant's got five up and now 16. 16, quite incredible. The Crusaders through to another Super Rugby final. Welcome into the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show. I'm Daniel McCarty. Grant Elliott, good morning. Good morning, Daniel. How are we? I'm very well. Our very special guest might be a little bit annoyed with you. I know. I, I, think, I, didn't, it, I think he was trying to... I think Grant was trying to send a signal to our producer, Ben, which uh, they have a colourful way of communicating uh, early on a Saturday morning. But uh, we can see Justin Marshall... Uh, this morning, he's re- rearing to go, and he joins us um, to pick over the bones of another semi-final win for the Crusaders. We'll look ahead to semi-final number two. Of course, it's uh, the Battle of the Bees. The Blues up against the Brumbies from five past seven tonight. Let's uh, welcome in the uh, former uh, All Black great and uh, Sky Sport uh, lead co-commentator. It's our dear friend who's been with us week in week out, adding the insight, the integrity, the quality. Oh, absolute nonsense. Mr. Marshall, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning to you, Grant, as well. Yeah, it's really nice to uh, be on the show this morning. Um, yes, you have managed to finally get me when I'm at home. I'm usually, I'm usually on the move on a Saturday or going to a game or coming back from one. But uh, at this point in time, I'm actually looking out my window um, and we have a big blanket of snow across all of Queenstown. So... Not many people will be going far today, but it's uh, looking pretty beautiful, to be fair. Winter is certainly here. Do you get on the slopes much? Mate, I do. Uh, I'm very much a recreational skier, so like, I don't have to go out there and bust out uh, 20 runs. I'm pretty happy to do three <laughs> or four and then mince my way down into the uh, into the building and have a cold beer and a hot pie. Nice. Oh, there's pies Yeah, again. there's pies oh, again. Oh, my God, let's not go down that pathway. <laughs> Uh, Justin, I must apologise. I didn't know that that was you on the video there, but my hand gesture was aimed at our producer, uh, Ben Francis, who normally gives me a lot of... Well, that, that's just our friendly way of saying hello. Well, you gave him out twice, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 The, the double Billy Bowden, wasn't it? Good morning. Yeah. Good to see you, Ben. Well, great to have you on the show. You must be so stoked about uh, last night's game with the Crusaders coming through with just 14 men for a while. Yeah, look, it was an interesting game, wasn't it? Uh, obviously, the weather forecast was always imminent, so it was just a, it was just about whether it arrived or not um, for the game, and it did, you know, 20, 30 minutes before kickoff. So that was always going to have an effect on the flow of the game. Um, yeah, I certainly thought that that was a tough Crusaders performance, but very similar to the way that they've battled their way through the year. 
And when I say battle, you know, I, I don't think they've been vintage crusaders this year, and I think we've spoken about them a lot. Yeah. Um, but they, they've found a way a lot of times. Now, they have been beaten more than they have um, in recent years this year, uh, and, and including at home. So they have shown some vulnerability. But I think when they've needed to dig in and dig in deep like they did last night, how many times this year have I said they can't keep continuing to double or triple the tackle rate of the opposition? You know, the Crusaders are at their best when they're playing with the ball, not without it. But for whatever reason at times this year, they haven't been able to discover the emojo. So they've had to find themselves defending. But man, when they get in that mindset and they know that they must win a game, Geez, they're good at defending, you know, playing without the ball. Yeah, there was a 10-minute a stretch in that early in that second half, up 20 points to seven. Now you're playing into a pretty strong wind, and I've never been to, to that arena. You, you've commentated a whole heap of games. It was pretty tricky conditions. They were, they were battling into a breeze, right? And maybe we can talk about did the Chiefs make the most of those natural advantages, but there was that... 10-minute stretch where there's a five-metre scrum. Bryn Hall comes around, stifles, forces a knockover of Soakula. Then there's a, a, a clearing kick. They have a line-out, defensive line-out on their own 22. They steal the ball. Um, and then about two minutes later, there's a half-break, and Will Jordan from fullback stands up and just makes the biggest hit and takes all the impetus out of the attack. Gee, th- 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 those must be sort of you know, great defensive plays, but really psychological blows towards the opposition, isn't it? Just to show just how impenetrable they are inside even their own 22. Yeah, yeah, massively. And you're right that they were winning those little micro moments within the game. And and, to, and when you get into knockout um, footy, that, that's what you need to be good at, making sure that you take the sting out of the opposition when, the, when they have momentum. And I thought they were very good at doing that. I'm certainly sure that uh, people outside of the Crusaders franchise across the country, who many of them uh, love to hate the Crusaders, um, will will probably be thinking they were pushing the boundaries a bit. And, and, you know, the penalty count was certainly indicative of that. You know, they were very much on the wrong side of it. And, and at times on five, six, seven penalties on the bounce and, and in the wrong areas um, of the field as well, which was probably something that many people will feel wasn't officiated as ruthlessly as it could have been. And, and I probably wouldn't disagree with that. You know, they were at times a little bit cynical because uh, the Chiefs had them under massive pressure. I can think of in the first half, maybe four penalties from scrum um, and, and no consequences to the Crusaders. Uh, so look, whilst they're very good at winning those those little moments, that they also are very good at, at, at taking it right to the edge, you know, and, and not suffering massive um, our consequences for taking it that far. Justin, does it, do you think the scoreline actually reflects how close the game actually was? Because I almost feel like the Chiefs should feel like they could have got over the line, especially you know with the, the sending off of Pablo Matero, down to 14 men. They had opportunities, but they didn't convert those opportunities. Yeah, I don't think it does, Grant. I, I certainly think that the scoreline was very flattering towards the Crusaders. Uh, the Chiefs, when I think about their performance last night, they'll be they'll be ruining some of the decision making. Yes, they, they certainly, I think, didn't help themselves. Uh, I, I certainly uh, respect the intent of Brad Weber that that he was going for the jugular. He knew that to beat the Crusaders down there, you you have to apply pressure on them. You have to put, you have to stay close on the scoreboard, and equally apply scoreboard pressure on them to make them come out of their shells a bit. So he turned down quite a lot of kickable points. Conversely, the Crusaders 
they actually t- took their penalty kicks. That's what got them up 6-0 straight away. So tactically, they approached it slightly differently than what the Chiefs did. Um, you know, yes, they missed opportunities, um, which, again, reflects the scoreboard. The, the Chiefs, the Sawakula should have scored early in that game. He hesitated. Um, I don't know why, and, and, and ended up spilling the ball over the line. Uh, Quintu Pyre's pass was pivotal. Yes, huge. You know, that yes. went out over the touchline. But, but also, defensively, they just they got a bit weak at times, which is very unlike the Chiefs. Mm. Like, uh, you know, with the greatest respect, you know, Cullen Grace's first try was just mandatory scrum defence, you know. They were too slow off the side of the scrum. Uh, they didn't defend the blind side. If Cullen Grace didn't go in, Sevier Reese was free on his outside. So, you know, that that's really poor that they, they A, didn't have Sevier Reese missed, uh, marked up, and B, Cullen Grace just went straight through pretty much untouched. Now, you know, in big game rugby, you, you just don't defensively have a lapse like that, particularly against the Crusaders at home. So, um, I'm not saying that the Chiefs were off because they had so much ball in possession. Mm. I just don't know whether their decision-making on the night and the way they utilised that ball in that position and some of their execution um, did them any favours on the night. When sides turn down kickable opportunities when you're within two converted tries, um, does that buoy the opposition? Because what, what's wrong with a bit of scoreboard pressure just chipping away at it, chipping away at it? Nothing wrong with it. And it either goes one way or the other. You know, you can fuel the opposition because there's nothing more satisfying than the opposition who have had you under pressure, you're under penalty pressure, you go to kick for the line out or take a scrum, and then you have uh, something like a a collapse more go to the ground or Bryn Hall comes around the side of the scrum when you're five metres out and disrupts the number eight and he knocks it on. You know, those sorts of things, they're really deflating when you've had the momentum. But for the the team who's defensively been under the pressure to win that moment, like I know, you know, at times I thought, you know, Sevier Reese was carrying on a bit too much. He, you know, he was he was coming in, he was jumping around and, you know, yelling in the face of the Chiefs players. And to be perfectly honest, if I was playing and I was a halfback, that would have really pissed me off a winger coming in and doing that. He had, <laughs> had absolutely no, he had no impact on that situation at all. Yet he's in there yelling in your face and carrying on like a pork chop. I probably would have. I would have been in the red, put it that way, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, but that, that, but that's the reaction of the players, the, the, the energy it can give them by taking that sting out of the opposition when they've had you under the pump. And that's how it can convert. That, that's how the pressure can all of a sudden spin back around when you're not taking the points. The, the first try, Justin, uh, where Grace went over the line, I couldn't help but think, I mean, I still work with scrum halves and fly halves. I don't have the, the whole lingo going. It does sound nice, though, doesn't it? The um, scrum half and fly half. I, I do like how that rolls off. The top. Yeah, well, the, with the scrum half, Grace, he's got the ball. You're five metres out. Surely every time as a scrum half, you just want to take that ball and try and just go blindside and get it over the line. Yeah, but the number eights that are so greedy. so enticing. How do you get it out up from some of these greedy half number eights? <laughs> feel like telling Zinni yeah, that. Yeah, well... Yeah, that's right. And the other side of it is the first mentality at that position on the field, five metres out from a Ford pack, is we are stronger, we are tougher than them, we're a better <laughs> scrum. So their first mindset is that when the, we're, we're coming up with all sorts of genius moves of how we're going to open up the opposition, either, like you said, Grant, around the blind side or a dummy to the blind side and take it open because he pulled the winger across and we've got short balls, decoy runners and width in the game. 
you're very, very lucky to get it out of, the, out of that forward pack because they just have a mindset that we're going to, we're going to push them over. So, yeah, look, the, the, the key thing, I guess, in that whole uh, structure is, and, and not many people look at it, like I said, defensively, it was really poor from the Chiefs' Cullen Grace's try. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think um, you're ever not thinking about going down the blind side as a halfback. I certainly was. But secondly, um, the platform. You know, the fact that he can bounce off the scrum like that is simply because his scrum was so solid. It was, mm. you know, it was good and solid. It was it had the Chiefs under pressure, so their Lucy's had to stay on. Their Lucy's couldn't be have their arms out off the scrum and really trying to take a little bit of a, a jump start. They had to be on the scrum or they were vulnerable. So, you know, you ball it all the way down. When they had analysed that, the Crusaders, and then the Chiefs look at it, they'll go, well, first of all, we couldn't get off the scrum because our scrum was under pressure. And, that, and that's a little small part of the game yeah. many don't think about. They just see the number eight running off the back thinking, oh, why didn't they tackle him? But big part of that is how solid the scrum is, what side went up to promote him a little bit, just to give him a little shoulder so that he gets on the outside of the flanker, makes a massive difference. Two yellows lead to a red last night, of course, with Matera. Um, I think during the regular season, the Crusaders were sort of middle of the pack as far as conceding yellow cards, but they've had to deal with a few red cards. Um are you worried about the discipline um, heading into the final? Because you want to play on the edge. I think I just think the law is uh, is the worry for all the teams at the yeah. moment. Unfortunately, and we've we've been down this pathway, and I've not stamped, uh, stopped banging the drum, and I won't stop banging it. I didn't think both of the yellow cards um, last night that were involved in head collisions were warranted yellow. I thought they were penalisable, just for. The, the unfortunate circumstances. Um, but, you know, straight away, I, I was sitting watching the game last night on my couch and, um, and my son was next to me. I said to him, Nick Berry will be looking to give this a red. And he was. This was the two-pire one. He was straight away starting at red. Um, and, 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 I just, and I just had my head in my, my arms and, and my head just going, oh my God, you know, this is why this law is not right. Because... You know, like Pablo Matera was falling to the ground. Um, Tapia was going to tackle him if he actually caught the ball, which he was trying to do. And then the ball went over his head and then he slipped and was falling to the ground. Tapia was still looking to wrap. The fact that he collected him and just on the side of the face was just a pure accident. But yet the referee was looking for that accident for a red card. Yeah. And, and that's just where, unfortunately, the law is so far off the mark. Um, but yeah, back to your question. Look, I think every team is, is vulnerable. I don't think the Crusaders are an exception to the rule. Everybody's suffered the, the ramifications of the law and the way it's being refereed at the moment. Uh, ironically, when I look at Pablo Matera, I think he might get it off. Because the first, the first yellow card wasn't for a head, head contact. The first mm-hmm. yellow card was ill-discipline. The second one, Nick Berry was actually very close to only making that a penalty. Um, yeah, he said there were mitigating factors, didn't he? He said that, and yes, that came very clear. Yeah, yeah. and he, initially he was sort of saying, I think it's chess, and then they looked at force. They didn't think the force was too bad, and then they sort of said it was contact with the head. And again, again, I thought it was only a penalty, but by the by, what I'm saying is when Pablo Matera got off his last charge, it was because they felt that sufficient evidence showed that he was dealt with appropriately on the field. And if the referee was only looking to penalise that in the game, you know, what? how are the judicial going to say that yellow card wasn't sufficient? You know, are, mm. they, are they going to say that should have been red so he has to be stood down next weekend? I don't think they will. I think they'll say, 
yellow card slash red, which he eventually got because of his under, other indiscretion for head contact, is sufficiently penalised. So, you know, he very may well get off with it again because it was very, very minor and completely accidental. That's my, Just, that's my two cents worth. Yeah, yeah, I, I think there's a case. Well, if Scott Barrett only got four weeks for um, something earlier, uh, anything can happen, I can think, uh, when it comes to the judiciary. I think Dean agrees with you as he writes in. And, and please send your comments to double eight double three. Question comments to Justin. Now's your chance. He's with us for another 15 minutes. Justin, Dean here, mate. When are the refs going to look at rugby incidents and separate these from foul play? You're right that the game was won in that 10 minutes of defence um, in the second half. Pablo has to be cleared, surely. Although he has written it surly. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's surly. Surly at the best of times, isn't he, Pablo? He's a big unit. Um, so there's yeah, another look, one. Who look, agrees I, with you? Look, I'm not, I'm, not doing, I'm not saying what I'm saying by any means. With no, you're being a crusader's homer, on. Justin, and social media is going to call you that, mate. So they're going to say, oh, typical former right. crusaders. But... But, but I certainly feel that Quintu Pyre will be exactly the same. I don't feel that he will suffer any further than what he did for a yellow card, which shouldn't have been yellow, should have just been a penalty. So what I'm saying is the problem is within the law and the way the referees are refereeing it on the field, the players are actually being harshly penalised on the field when they shouldn't be, as penal, shouldn't be suffering those consequences. So how can the judicial find that to be any worse? You know, we've seen, inc- we've seen incidents like that, the one that comes to mind is Richard Kahui, where, you know, Ben yeah. O'Keefe gave Kahui a red. You know, I remember doing the commentary thinking, that is not a red card. That is just a simple rugby accident. Yeah, and obviously, the judicial saw it that way. So, unfortunately for the referees, they're refereeing it to the law. Um, they're not able to use common sense, so I will give them some rope and some leniency. But they are probably going to be duped a little bit by the judicial because... You know, the fact of the matter is what often what we're seeing is, is not going to go any further. So, yeah, it's a, it's a valid comment, you know, from Dean. I'm, I'm not certainly doing it. And, and people that have been listening to the show with us on Saturday mornings and across my shows on Sunday and Monday, I've been saying the same thing for any player. I think every player is suffering from a law that is super deficient and, uh, and we're not getting right. This is the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show. Reese Plumbing designed to help your business grow and succeed. Reese, it works for you. Before we move on to semi-final number two, tonight's clash between the Blues and the Brumbies. Just want to talk about the two number twelves last night. Both All Blacks, one an All Black, neither an All Black. How do you see that? Because yeah, midfield is congested as far as options, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I certainly thought when I was looking at this from an All Black selector's perspective, there's a possibility that they were looking at it: two players in one position playing for one spot in their All Black team. Um, you know, it'd be very interesting to see what their thought process is. You've got one player who's playing incredibly good rugby at the moment and Kuntu Pai. I can't fault the way that his game has just sort of grown substantially in the second uh, part of, of Super Rugby. Um, you know, he's just a form 12 in the country probably at the moment. Uh, he certainly is showing all attributes of a very good 12, which is distribution, his defence is good, um, he breaks tackles post and pre-contact, he's very good, he makes good decisions, he works hard, you know, he, he, he is in very much good, he, he's in tip-top form right now at the moment, um, and then David Harvelli as well, just a, a different type of player, a more silky type of player with great distribution skills, uh, you know, but then again, this versatility, the ability for him to play from 10 right out to 15, uh, you know, gives them a slight advantage over Quintu Pai, although they did play Quintu Pai on the wing with the Chiefs a couple of few times this year. 
which is something that the All Black selectors would have been really pleased to see. His ability now to play 12 to wing will go a long way for him. Um, you know, taking my Crusaders cap off, uh, I, <laughs> I think I think Quintupaya was was the better player last night. I, I certainly thought that he he added good punch. He was dangerous, um, and, and he had more he had more for whatever reason involvements in the game. Um, he was more noticeable. So yeah, like he didn't do his chances any harm by pitting himself against a guy that he's probably going in direct competition with the All Blacks for. So, Justin, we've got the selection of the All Blacks um, on Monday, I think, 36 players. And um, in the Blues versus Brumbies, the next game, Roger Tuivas-Shek, who also is a number 12, what if he has a great, like, an outstanding game tonight? Or do you think that the, the All Blacks coaches, they've already picked their squad, they know exactly who's in the lineup? I mean, is there a possibility as a player to do something special tonight and maybe change the minds of those selectors? Yeah, there is, Grant. There's, there's a possibility. that They'll have very much the nucleus of their team and the way that, you know, what, what people don't realise is they, they, don't, they don't often always pick every player that's in the form of their life because what, what they are doing is thinking about the way they want to play. And, and it has to be evolving, the All Blacks. They're, they're yeah, like Jordy Barrett's a fullback to them, isn't he? Not yeah. a 12 like he is with the Canes. Yeah. yeah, so what, what they are thinking about is, right, how are we going to play this year and how we're going to play leading into the following year against the rest of the world in the Rugby World Cup and produce a game plan uh, that other teams really struggle to cope with. And then they pick the players that are going to be able to execute that game plan. And they have to evolve. The All Blacks have to change the way that they are playing. There's no doubt about it. They, they used to, We used to be the innovators. We're te- we're teams were looking at the All Blacks trying to emulate the way they play. All of a sudden, we've found ourselves. You, you would have got callers in. You would have had debate and saying, "Why can't? Why aren't we playing like France? Why aren't we playing like Ireland?" Like teams mm. used to be saying, "Why aren't we playing like South Africa?" Teams used to be saying, "Why? What we need to play like New Zealand to, to be able to compete with them?" Well, all of a sudden, we've gone backwards in that regard. So, the All Blacks' first and, and major priority is to pick a team where they have found a way to play a game plan that brings out the best in our individuals, brings out the best of us with all of our skills across the board from 1 to 15 to 23. And we go out there and we take teams apart with our attack, not our defence. That's the best way that we can, that's the best way we can think. So back to your question, Grant, you know, is a guy like Roger Tuivasa-Shek in the mix for the All Blacks? Absolutely. He'll be being talked about. He'll be in the conversation. Um, Has he got his name in pen or just pencil at the moment? I would have thought pencil. Mm. But, but if he can show the ability, I guess, to break open a, a semi-final and a final, then he'll certainly come into the mix. In my mind, I'm thinking to myself, Leon McDonald thinks that Roger Tuivas is a, a, a Sheik is a 12. Does Ian Foster think the same thing? Mm-hmm. I certainly, you know, like I certainly would like to see him try to, um, a little bit wider out on the wing with, with, with a bit more space. Like he, he, his footwork at the moment... His footwork and leg was utilised because he had momentum onto the ball and he had 10 metres, 15 metres, 20 metres to line a player up and put some footwork and some razzle-dazzle on him. At 12, you're in congestion. You've got players in your face. You know, is, is, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but is N Foster thinking, you know what? Yeah, Roger, two of us are in our conversation. He's going to be in our squad sitting on the peripheral, but I'm, I see him as an outside back. Who knows? 
Maybe we do, we delve into this next topic next week in more detail because I'm worried about going down a rabbit hole here. But just picking up sort of part of your last point, I thought there was a predictability about the Chiefs' attack last night. I think there's a predictability about New Zealand's attack overall uh, across all of our teams. Yep. Don't you think this sort of one-off runner, try to commit two people? I got a message from, um, I like to think a, a resume astute rugby mind last night. Describe this, one-off runner, you know, second man play, next one, trying to commit two people. It's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Have we got too predictable, Justin? Yeah, we have. Yeah, we're we're very uh, we're very structured in the way that we want to set our pod system and our, and our shape off that. Uh, it's been the same uh, system now for I don't know four, five, six years. Um, created basically under Steve Hansen, really, and and his regime, which proved incredibly successful. But then everyone started doing it. Mm. Um, so, you know, that that's what I'm talking about. The evolution. You know, we. What 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 I like with the way that New Zealand rugby and, and I've been involved in, in playing this was when when we become slightly unstructured, you know, a lot of our teams look so much better when they become desperate, you know, because they all of a sudden play instinctively, and I think we've taken a lot of the instinct out of the way that we allow our players to play, and when I when I see the Crusaders. You know, trying trying to win a game against the Blues. You know, when they were desperate and the scoreboard was against them, and all of a sudden, Sevu Reese was in, picking and going from the back of um, more uh, uh, rucks, and Fying Anuku was in as a first receiver, and Will Jordan was in as a, they were playing completely unstructured, non-shape, non-pattern, and we've got to have the ability within our game plan to allow our players yes. who have great minds for the game, who grew up with the game who are instinctively awesome rugby players, we've got to have that somewhere in our game plan to allow them to play what they see in front of them. Go on, let's get to the Blues and the Brumbies. Uh, the Brumbies, we were unsure of what type of shape they were in heading into the uh, the quarterfinal against the Canes, weren't we, Justin? Because they'd lost, I think, three games leading up to it. Uh, I think if you speak to a lot of uh, Canes uh, fans and those inside the Hurricanes uh, franchise, they, they think they were the better team for long periods uh, last week. They didn't get the job done, so credit to the Brumbies for that. But how much better do the Brumbies need to beat to beat the Blues? Because I, I'm highly doubtful they can, Justin. Well, they're, they're capable, Daniel, because they're, they're a good side with a lot of experience in it. And uh, they, they showed that they have the ability to come to New Zealand and play a style of game that, make, uh, that makes it hard to, to defend against them. And that was the performance they put in against the Chiefs. But that was a really well-balanced game. When they're playing in Canberra, for some reason or another, they go really insular in the way they yeah. play. They obviously know the field well. They know the conditions. And so they know how they can break teams down. But it really uh, makes them aside uh, far from expressive in the way that they can be. You know, they, they, go, they go very much territory-orientated where they can get down into the 22. Yeah, they'll show some variation. They've got that really good, efficient line-out more. And, we, you know, we, we've been down that pathway before, but they're very good at it. Ultimately, it's the way they broke the Hurricanes down, who were a better balanced side on the day, but they just couldn't cope with the, the pressure when the Brumbies got into the right areas. So when they played against the Chiefs, they, they attacked more from their 50-metre mark in. You know, they didn't, they didn't break out really from inside their own half, but Nick White's kicking strategy in that game was really, really good. Uh, they turned a lot of ball over. They put the, pre the the back three of the Chiefs under massive pressure. They won a lot of ball back. He wasn't kicking for territory. He was kicking to retain the ball. When they play in Canberra, 
they're kicking for territory and to get inside the 22. So in answer to your question, are they capable of beating the Blues? Yeah, of course they are. Because they've got 11 Wallabies in their side and, and they've got a broader range of talent and physicality across their side. They've just got to get their mind around the fact that they won't, they won't, they won't be able to go and play uh, an arm wrestle game against the Chiefs and win it. They've got to express themselves and play, you know, the, play the entire field. If they do that, we could be in for a hell of an entertaining game. Surely, Justin, I mean, you look at the, how dominant the Crusaders are at home. Surely this is just the Blues are playing at home. There might be a crowd that sort of clicks over 30,000. Um, that confidence that they'll go to Eden Park with is going to be quite tough to water down for the Brumbies. Yeah, absolutely, Grant. Look, uh, you and I both sort of were in agreement last week that that Waratah side was a very good side um, and that they, they you know, that they would push the Chiefs hard. Uh, and, and I don't, I, I didn't doubt the fact that, um, you know, when, when, when you look at games like that, which is similar to when the Blues were going to then, after that, take on the Highlanders, that the opposition could cause you trouble because you've got the momentum <laughs> and then the underdogs come along and they, they unsettle you. <laughs> Both teams efficiently just put, put the opposition away. Like, and, and the, the, the part of my point is the, the way that the Blues dismantled the Highlanders under pressure early in mm. the game and then just re regrouped and, and composed themselves. Yeah. So they had a little bit of that underdogness. Sort of and Blues teams of the past would let that slide and all of a sudden they, they would look start looking sideways at each other. They stayed composed. Their key players got into the game. Peter Fetter was good. Barrett got into the game. The two of us, Sheik, had a really good game. Their forwards carried hard. And they just they just looked unstoppable at times. They they are an impressive outfit. Like I expect them to win this evening. Um, and boy, that'll set up some sort of a final. Well, minus the the Brumbies fans, of course. I, I think most people want to blow his Crusaders final. Oh, right? definitely. I, I I think mm. I think the the the, the organisers of the competition desperately want that. Oh, and we will, we want to be able to replay the James Kerr try over and over and over and over again in the in the lead up, right, Justin? I think Something Justin, like, Justin, and I do. wanted the Highlanders in the final. I well, think I, uh, we, I, I, he brought that up now. I must admit, I'm not <laughs> going to mention the uh, 29 point margin in that game. <laughs> I think I was the lone descending voice. Before we get into our prediction, which I think there's going to be um, uh, agreement across the board, Justin, it, it could be a special day for someone on Monday being named in the All Blacks. Tell us when you got first named. How, how did you find out, you know, are those memories still as strong today as they were back in, you know, the mid-90s? Yeah, look, mine's quite an unusual story. Uh, I was actually playing for Canterbury at the time, um, and we, we were playing, uh, we, we had played a game, and it was an afternoon game, and the All Blacks were getting named that night. So it was a Sunday, it must have been a Sunday afternoon game. My name had been murmured, but it was only my first year playing provincial rugby at that level. I'd played only a couple of years for Southland. I was only 20 at the time. Probably hadn't, I'd only, you know, super rugby hadn't eventuated in 1995. Mm. So, you know, we'd, we'd had a good shield campaign. I'd had a good season, but, um, you know, my name had been mooted around, but I hadn't taken any notice of that. So pretty much what had happened, was because it was one of the, the last games of the season that, um, we, we had a bit of a night out, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I didn't see the announcement. and um, oh, you and, didn't? 
Like, you're on the gas. You're on the gas, and he misses it. Was, <laughs> brilliant. I, I love know, it. It was in the, it was in the dark. It was. I think it was even the next morning that I um, realised that I'd been named. So yeah, it was. It wasn't a it wasn't a, a great. Because it was the old school days when they don't phone you, they just announce you. They don't ring you up to say, "Hey, by the way, you're going to be named" or anything like that. So, read it I in the paper. With my hangover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. He wasn't. He wasn't listening to the wireless as they announced the team. Justin Marshall. How no. good though? That's, that's how it should that's be so announced. Good. Wake up, and that was pre. It was pre butter chicken pies in the morning to help you through a hangover too, mate. So, <laughs> but oh, I'm mate. sure. I'm sure you woke up very quickly. What an amazing experience! And good luck to all those who might uh, experience something similar on Monday. Uh, we've got to finish off with our tips. Well, You can go first, well, Grant. It's, uh, you know where I'm going. Home team. Yeah. Yeah, Eden Park, 30,000, the Blues. Lose by 11 for me. Justin? Yeah, the, the Blues will win. Yeah, I think they'll win by, you know, 7 to 10 uh, and set up what will be, as we've just said before, a historic final. And it's been a long time since we've seen the Blues and the Crusaders go go head-to-head in such a, uh, you know, high-stakes high game. It'll be awesome. Well, we'll leave you to it, Justin. I know you've got a busy weekend ahead across SENZ and all your other commitments. We'll, we'll do it again um, on, the, what, the morning of the final uh, next Saturday. Thanks so much for joining us as per usual, my friend. And, uh, you know, apologies for the two-finger salute. <laughs> Thanks a lot, no Justin. Problem, guys. <laughs> He's giving us the Mertz. He's giving us the Mertz. Fantastic. That is magnificent. Love it. Justin Marshall, always with a great insight um, to the games uh, this weekend and uh, the big talking points. Uh, you may want to pick up on some of those comments and run with it, excuse the pun, and join us here on the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show with Reese Plumbing, designed to help your business grow and succeed. Reese, it works for you. It's 27 minutes away from 11. Uh, we will take a break. Give us a call if you want to pick up on those comments. 0800 150 811 or 8833. Feel free to join us. Uh, a few uh, text messages backing up. We'll get to those. We'll also get to our tips. Um, uh, we'll update the Super uh, the Reese Super Rugby Fan of the Year competition as well, for which clearly you and I are not. Can't wait to hear how many people are still in it. Yeah. Uh, stay with us. Back after this break. This is the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show. One finalist confirmed. We wait for two other contenders to go through their semi-final to see who will join the Crusaders who are in their 16th Super Rugby final. That's absolutely mad, isn't it? Considering this competition only started in 1996. Uh, 2003, the Blues last won Super Rugby, and they beat... Um, I'm going to say the Crusaders. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a high probability that the Crusaders landed in that final if they made 16 of them. And, of course, uh, the Crusaders and the Blues met in a very famous final in 1998 uh, when James Kerr scored very late in the piece at Eden Park. Mm-hmm. They've played twice, by my count, um, and it's split. It would be a very bluesy thing to do, though, is to, to stumble this week, isn't it? Wouldn't it? Lose against the, the Brumbies. Oh. Because if they've got a mindset like I have, they're already looking ahead to the final. Clearly I have. No, I actually, I wanted to ask Justin about that. I wanted to ask him about the mentality that you go to finals footy with. Like, oh, you're just really calm. And, I mean, wh- the way we approach it at the Black Caps is like, it's just another game. You don't look at the finals. But some players can't help but put one foot on the finals field already, and that's a dangerous Yeah, well, I won't ask you if semifinals are harder to win than finals. But I have heard that in the past from certain athletes. I... I you talk about mentality. I wonder what the psychology mentality of the Blues fan base is. Mm. Are they already looking ahead to the final? Or are they a little bit, 
Are they a little bit more concerned than I am about their, their team sort of tripping up against the Brumbies? I think it would be a very bluesy thing to do. Well, they, they've got that um, historical way of just making things crumble, don't they? <laughs> they do, the Blues. But I, th- I feel that this year they've actually been more dominant than they've ever been, or more consistent, I'd say. Well, the, the team of 96, 97 is shouting at you right now and going, come on, son. <laughs> come on, mate. Respect some history and respect the dominant side we were in 96, 97. Blues fans, here is your chance. one 0800 or text us double eight double three. I'd like to know. Uh, your mood today, a little bit... Are you, are you more nervous than, than we are for your team? We've all put them in. Um, I, do wor- I, I do wonder about that. 0800-150-811. Uh, feel free to join the programme. Someone uh, writes here as we get to your messages on double eight double three. all part of the Resuper Rugby fan show. Fourth yellow card of the season means automatic suspension. Adios. That's obviously uh, referring to one uh, Pablo Montera. Montera. Um, last night's semi-final clearly showed why the league is so much better at the moment. Harsh penalties, too much stops, fluffing around, and the Crusaders, I'd say, were cheating stopping the Chiefs from scoring on those relentless rucks and completely agree with Marshall on Sevu Reese. Um, Quinta Bayer had more involvement because the Chiefs had so much more ball. Harvilli was outstanding on D and is kicking. As an AB number 12, QT should have made that pass to Nankerville. Not good enough. I have Harvilli over Quinton Tupai. And yes, I am a Crusaders fan. Right, Tama. There's nothing wrong um, with showing your stripes, mate. I, I would have thought. Uh, feel free to join us. 0800 150 or send your text messages uh, through to double eight double three. The Crusaders are in. Will it be the Blues or the Brumbies? Uh, do let us know. Here on the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show, Reese Plumbing designed to help your business grow and succeed. Uh, Reese works for you. Throughout the year, Grant, we have been running the uh, Super Rugby Fan of the Year competition uh, in association with Reese Plumbing. I think five grand up for grabs uh, for those. Uh, good enough uh, to to run the gauntlet over the season. Nineteen hundred and forty-nine. We did start with. We lost close to nine hundred in week number one. We were down to. 610 in week number three. We were down to double figures by week number seven. Uh, yes, the uh, the infamous uh, Hurricanes loss to Moana Pacifica uh, extinguished the hopes of many. That withered it down yeah, with, massively. Down to 59. Then it really has been a war of attrition. And uh, heading into this week, we had 20 still remaining. So 20 from 20. Do they, they share the right. five grand? Well, I don't know the rules, mate. I don't know I'm the rules. You. Uh, I don't know the rules. I should. I'm. I'm repeating. I don't know the rules while looking at our producer, to uh, see if he knows the rules, um, and if they share the cash. I, I'm assuming they do. Uh, but you're assuming. I, yeah. You're assuming that, and we all know assumptions make asses out of me and you. And we know how precise we are on this show. Oh yeah, accuracy has always been our strength, isn't it? Oh, we need accuracy, some of us. Ben. Some of yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially with his punting at the moment. Two right. weeks in a row, perfect. Yeah, well, you're just doing the opposite of what I go for. I'm going, I'm going for the hat trick this week. <laughs> going for the hat trick this week. It is 17 minutes away from 11. We will take a short break back after this. This is the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show with Reese, driven by quality. Reese works for you. It is just shy of 12 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Double eight, double three. Keep your comments, messages coming through, like this one from Jared. G'day, Jared. Good morning, chaps. 
Well, what a night of sport. Those mighty Crusaders. 222 tackles, for God's sake. And yet another final. And clap, clap for the Black Caps. Great start on day number one. The dynamic duo did it again. Mitchell and Blundell to be in a strong position at Stumps. We'll get to our Grant Elliott's our thoughts when the Saturday session uh, kicks off in about 12 minutes' time. Uh, I do like this one from Joe. Boys, you are talking trash. Yes. Saying the Blues are thinking about the final already is bullshit. This is not a previous Blues team, so you can not compare the teams of different eras. This Blues team will crush the Brumbies on form and ability. Well, Joe, um, the fact that you called us boys is not really that appreciated, but... I do like the confidence. You say Joe's not your boy, and boy, you're not Joe's boy. Well, it can be a derogatory kind of start to a sense. For someone with your accent, yes. But, but the thing is, is that Joe here, we're talking about, are oh, they actually, you know, a little bit nervous about today's game? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I said, out. I said uh, the, blue, the Blues aren't going to be like me, who's looking ahead to the final, yeah. Joe. Yeah, it could be a bluesy thing, though. You were talking about a bluesy thing, about losing the semi. Yeah. Joe, he reckons they're in. They're a completely different beast, according to Joe. Yeah, form and ability, the Brumbies have no chance. So there you go. Did he say no chance? I had, well, he said... No, they're going to crush, crush the Brumbies. Them. Yeah, yeah. Them. yeah that, that's pretty emphatic, plus. isn't it? Yeah, that's that is an fairly emphatic. Emphatic win. It's celebrations at Eden Park. No Highway. Romano, no Papali'i. Is that a big deal? Yeah, I, I think they will be missed. I still think the Blues are going to win. In fact, I tipped them to win by 11 points. Mm. I do too. I mean, it's just home advantage. Eden Park. Was it Eden Park called the House of Pain? Or was that no, Carisbrook? That was Carisbrook. Carisbrook, yeah. Played one game at Carisbrook as well. Short boundaries square. I didn't get many runs. LBW, no. Jonathan Trott, who we've had on the oh, show. Oh, yeah, we actually. did talk about that. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you probably um, made a bigger impact what, around the octagon yeah. late at night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the off-field. Off I was prolific, actually. <laughs> like, Joe will be when the Blues win. Brumbies. Thanks, Joe. Do appreciate it. Thank you to uh, everyone who's uh, chipped in with uh, your comments and messages this morning, and a big thanks to Justin Marshall, too. It's 10 minutes away from 11 o'clock, the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show. Reese Plumbing Desire to help your business grow and succeed. Reese, it works for you. Back after this. We might not have to name our Super Rugby Team of the Year next week with Justin Marshall on the eve of the final, I think. Um, someone's jumped the gun here. Here's my form team. Groot, Almoa, Ainsley, Ritalik, Barrett, Jacobson, Popoli'i, uh, Smith. Barrett, Rico, Tupai, Goodhue, Reese, Jordan, Bowden. Okay, hopefully that's um, come through as you wanted. But uh, that might be an interesting one next week. Our, our form team for Super Rugby season. Oh, I've seen him some homework, and, and uh, already I can see Grant how it's um, looking a little bit nervy. Yeah, you're going to have to stick your neck out on the line. What does your form... I won't. I'll just steal someone's um, team of the year from the media and claim it as my own. Yeah. Like yeah. you always do. Yeah, just cut corners wherever possible. Does your does your form Super Rugby team play for the the All Blacks though? No, that's the question. No, no, no. Two different things. Two different they? things. Uh, we will uh, wrap things up here on the Reese Super Rugby Fan Show. Big thanks uh, to Reese Plumbing for their ongoing support. The Saturday session kicks off proper after the break. Craig Cummings going to join us to talk some Test cricket. We'll get Grant's yeah. thoughts as well. And our legend this week is one Mr. Ricky Herbert. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's, together and loving it.
Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.